Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, it's Fire Prevention Week in Minnesota and a recap of the Twins season with Twins radio announcer Corey Provis. But first... Thank you, Minnesota. This is a great state. We are going to win this state in a very short period of time. Thank you. Minnesota was in the spotlight this week as President Trump held a campaign rally in downtown Minneapolis, drawing thousands of supporters and protesters. It was Trump's first rally since an impeachment inquiry was launched addressing his alleged request that Ukrainian officials investigate his political rival Joe Biden and as poll numbers inched up showing broader support for the inquiry. It wasn't the only controversy coloring the visit. As soon as the rally was announced, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry announced he would try to get the Trump campaign to foot the bill for $530,000 in security and other costs for the rally. Trump said no way, and he took to Twitter saying, Dump Fry, and calling him a radical left mayor. Fry responded that he wakes up with a lot to do each day. I don't have time with a city of 430,000 people to be tweeting garbage out. So it's kind of surprising when the president of the United States, a country with 327 million people, is has the time to do this himself. So I don't know where the guy gets the time. Trump's visit to Minneapolis, a consistently Democratic favoring voting bloc, and the congressional district of Ilhan Omar, more on that later, was largely seen as a way to draw significant attention to the campaign in a state the president is confident he can flip after narrowly losing Minnesota to Hillary Clinton in 2016. DFL Chair Ken Martin, however, says flipping the state won't be easy. Donald Trump and the Republicans need to remember Minnesota has the longest streak of any in the nation of voting for the Democratic presidential nominee. State GOP Chair Jennifer Carnahan agreed delivering Minnesota to a Republican president will not be a walk in the park, but she says streaks are meant to be broken. When you go back and look at the 2016 election cycle, President Trump came very, very close to winning the state. He came within 44,000 votes or one and a half points. In the days leading up to the rally, several groups announced their plans to protest Trump's visit to Minneapolis. One of those groups, the Council on Islamic American Relations, Minnesota. The Muslim community has been uh, impacted by this president's uh, language, particularly his Islamophobia, as well as his policies, including the Muslim ban that continues to separate families here in Minneapolis from their loved ones due to this policy. Finally on Thursday, it was time for the rally. On route to downtown, Karen from Hastings and Lynn from Bloomington said they supported the president's policies, and when it comes to his Twitter activity... He's the one that's being attacked, and he's defending himself most of the time. And I think that has a lot to do with his personality. I mean, he's just one of those guys that he's, he's uh, you know... He's he, from New York. He doesn't, he, he doesn't let people walk on him. Yeah, yeah I'll tell and you. So, but those are the kind of people that get things done, so let's, you know, let's just kind of roll with that. Karen and Lynn called the impeachment inquiry unfair and said Democrats like Adam Schiff should be the subject of an inquiry. Kevin from Chaska is a veteran. He supports Trump and said he's tired of politicians playing games. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you're right, you're right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And when Donald Trump says something, it's for the greatest interest of the country, not some subsection, for everybody. And that's what I like. Uh, Is he rude, crude, and socially unacceptable? Sure he is. But guess what? He's president of the United States. 
Once the president took the stage, he wasted no time in saying he would win Minnesota in 2020, and he said draining the swamp has energized him. The Democrats' brazen attempt to overthrow our government will produce a backlash at the ballot box, the likes of which they have never, ever seen before in the history of this country. Trump said he's still an establishment outsider. There's nothing that the dirty political establishment hates more than a president that they cannot intimidate, own, and control. They're trying to stop me because they know that I don't answer to them, I answer to you, it's true. The president brought up the impeachment inquiry. Do nothing Democrat extremists have gone so far left that they believe it should not be a crime to cross our border illegally, and it should be a crime to have a totally appropriate, casual, beautiful, accurate phone call with a foreign leader. I don't think so. And as expected, President Trump brought up Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. How the hell did that ever happen? How did it happen? How did it happen? Congresswoman Omar is an America-hating socialist. She minimized the September 11th attack on our homeland. How do you have such a person representing you in Minnesota? I'm very angry at you people right now. Trump also talked border security and immigration. For many years, leaders in Washington brought large numbers of refugees to your state from Somalia without considering the impact on schools and communities and taxpayers. I promise you that as president, I would give local communities a greater say in refugee policy. The president touted his record on immigration. I have reduced refugee resettlement by 85 percent. And as you know, maybe especially in Minnesota, I kept another promise. I issued an executive action making clear that no refugees will be resettled in any city or any state without the express written consent of that city or that state. So speak to your mayor. As the president's speech wrapped up, it became a chaotic scene outside Target Center. Several protesters were sprayed by police with a chemical irritant. Anna from White Bear Lake and her friends came prepared. We've been out at a bunch of protests, so we usually try to bring chapstick, water, um, good shoes, and then gas masks, and we brought these. And then we gave a few out, we brought a few more, but they go really quick, but they tear gas you just to disperse the crowds. Mary from Minneapolis summarized her feelings about Trump. He's a cheat, he's a con, he's a piece of garbage. And why was it important for you to be down here tonight? This is history. This is Minneapolis. This is my city and will never turn to a red state. Tom from Lino Lakes, though, was there to support the president. I'm just coming down here as a peaceful person that lives in Minnesota, you know, and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that I support Donald Trump, yet you got all these people out here causing problems. The presidential election is over a year away. There's an impeachment inquiry, a still crowded field of Democratic candidates, growing divisiveness between the president and House Democrats, and between Democrats and Republicans in general. It's anybody's guess what the political landscape will look like come November 2020. One thing is almost certain, Minnesota will be in the mix, and this is just the beginning.
Stay tuned, Minnesota Matters returns after this. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It's Fire Prevention Week in Minnesota. MN's Tasha Radel has more. Joining me now is Jen Longacre, the Public Information Officer for the State Fire Marshal Division. Well, Jen, wanted to visit with you. I understand that uh, Fire Prevention Week is right around the corner. Um, are there any themes this year? And can you tell us a little bit about some of the goals of the week? Sure, yes. Fire Prevention Week does start Sunday and runs all through next week. And the theme this year is planning and practicing your escape plan. So we are really encouraging people to take time to do that this week. Most fires happen where we feel safest, which is in our homes. Um, so when the smoke alarm sounds in a real fire at your house, it's really too late to start making a plan. So planning and practicing that escape plan really ensures that everyone knows what to do in a fire and is prepared to escape quickly and safely. Um, today our homes burn faster than ever. So they say you might have as little as two minutes to escape safely from the time the smoke alarm sounds. So if you think about that, most fires happen at night. So if you hear a smoke alarm in the middle of the night, you're confused, it's dark, your house is full of smoke, you're really not going to want to assume that you know what to do or that your kids know what to do unless you practice that plan. I mean, it sounds cliche, but practice makes perfect. And in this instance, you know, that couldn't be more true um, we've heard stories about kids hearing that smoke alarm going off. They get scared. What do they do? They don't run outside. They go and hide in their closet or under the bed. And, you know, the best way to prevent that from happening is really practicing a plan so that they know what to do when they hear that. So we really, really just want to encourage families to have that plan, go over it with everybody who lives in the house, and then practice it. And then, too, obviously, I mean, this might sound kind of uh, redundant, but it's also a good time to check those uh, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. Yes. Um, smoke alarms and carbon monoxide alarms save lives, but only if they work. So you don't know if your smoke alarm works unless you test it. So we really want to take time every month, push the button, make sure it works. You know, we're going to be falling back soon, too, in November, so that would also be a good time to change those batteries. But, yes part of Fire Prevention Week and part of having a safe escape plan is your smoke alarm because that's going to be the first thing that will alert you to a fire and that will help you escape. So those smoke alarms, like I said, smoke alarms save lives, but only if they work. And then another thing, you know, I, I, I wanted to hit on, um, you know, deadly fires, how common are they in Minnesota? 
Well, last year we had 37 fire deaths, um, which was down significantly from the year before. Um, This year we already have 26 fire fatalities. So um, we're working down, you know, we're trending down, but, you know, fire, deadly fires are preventable. So um, we need people to take that seriously and we need people to be able to save themselves and prevent fires in their home. So I don't want to say they happen every day, but people do die in fires in this state and those fires are easily preventable. And then another thing too that um, I wanted to ask you, do we know here in Minnesota what the leading cause of fire is? Yes, yes we do. So the leading cause of fire fatalities is careless smoking. The leading cause of just regular fires that don't necessarily cause a fatality is typically cooking. So um, fatal fires, careless smoking, regular residential fires are cooking. In these fires, uh, do, do you track data? Do we know, are there working smoke detectors majority of the time in these homes? Yep, I have the numbers right here. Let me just kind of look. So okay. in 2018, in there were nine fire fatalities where there were working smoke alarms present. So there are a variety of reasons somebody would have a smoke alarm and not be able to get out. Last year, alcohol and drug use was the number one factor in fire deaths where somebody had a smoke alarm, but they didn't get out. So they were too inebriated to understand what to do. Maybe they slept through the alarm. Um, There were eight fatalities where there were no smoke alarm present. So there are still homes in Minnesota that do not have smoke alarms at all, which is really concerning to us. We really want everybody to have smoke alarms in their homes. They should be on every level in every bedroom and near all the sleeping areas. So yes, there are fires where people just don't have a smoke alarm um, or just they don't have working smoke alarms. Well, lots of good information today, Jen. Anything else that you'd like to add that I didn't bring up today? Well, just, you know, people maybe don't know how to make a a fire escape plan, which I I understand that 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 would be something you don't know how to do. So just a few quick tips on how to make a fire escape plan. Just draw out a map of your home and show all the doors and windows. It can just be on a regular piece of paper. Draw out a quick grid. Um, show each room. Show all the doors and windows. And then find two ways out of each room. Oftentimes people think, well, I must go out the way I came into a room. Well, what if that exit is blocked by smoke or fire? There should be another way out of the room. So just take a second to jot that down on a piece of paper and you know, make sure everybody knows how to get out of each room two different ways um, and Make sure your family understands that. Also have a safe meeting place. Once everybody does get out, you'd never want to go back inside. And you also want to have that safe meeting place. So typically a neighbor's house, you know, a tree in front of a neighbor's house is a good place. You don't want to be too close to the street or have to cross the street because if fire trucks are responding, we don't want anyone to get hit by one. So make sure you have that safe meeting place that the kiddos know about, that you know about, so everyone can meet once you safely escape. Thanks again to my guest, Jen Longacre, the Public Information Officer for the State Fire Marshal Division. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Twins' historic season ended with a thud this week at Target Field. The Yankees swept through the Twins, knocking them out of the ALDS in three straight games. The Twins have now dropped 16 straight playoff games, dating back to 2004, with 13 of those losses coming at the hands of the Yankees. Eminent Sports Director Mike Grimm talked with Twins radio announcer Corey Provis about the season. 
Well, Corey Provis, before we break down the postseason, I do want to ask you about the regular season. 307 home runs, no teams ever hit more, 101 wins. How much fun did you have in 2019 calling baseball on the radio? Yeah, Mike, it was, it was uh, the, my most, uh, selfishly, my most enjoyable season um, You know that, that I've had in my eight years now covering the Twins. And to, to see them put up the numbers that they did, I, I thought they'd be good offensively, but they, they far and away surpassed my expectations with how good they were offensively, how they were able to limit the strikeout number uh, throughout the, the better part of the season. I thought that was a welcome surprise. So I, I had a blast, and... And how could you not have fun with uh, with the job and then watching that team perform the way that they did all summer long was uh, was really a treat. What kind of impact from spring training on do you think the new management had in terms of uh, I'm talking in the dugout Rocco Baldelli his coaching staff for the most part it was it was all new um, and it looked like it was pretty effective that their approach. It almost it almost took on the the idea that it was uh, you know the less is more hands off kind of approach and just let these guys you know be professionals let these guys you know find their own routine and don't mess with it and you know Rocco's career was interrupted because of a muscular disorder and so rest and recovery is a, is a big part of Rocco's just life uh, even now in his post playing career and certainly even his managing career. And I think that idea carried down to the players, that uh, less is more, that batting practice was always optional. Um, and that was something that was, that was important to him. We, you know, the, the Twins had a lot of nights, like both at home and on the road, if they had a 7 o'clock game, that the guys you know, didn't show up until 4 or 4.30. And that's, you know, that, that's, for those that aren't familiar with the baseball schedule, that's very late. You know, some guys will get there about noon or 1 o'clock, to begin their preparations for a seven o'clock game, so there were occasions uh, that I remember vividly that that the clubhouse literally was not open until four or four thirty because of player you know late arrival. So I think a lot of the, 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 those ideas and that strategy was was handed down by Rocco Baldelli. What was it like? You you interviewed him every day for the pregame show. You got to sit in his office. You did your four or five minute uh, interview, and then I'm guessing you you sat there for a minute or two. What what's he like when the mic's not on? Uh, how much fun did you have hanging out and just uh, chatting with him over the course of a season? I'm not a big coffee guy, but I learned a lot about coffee. Uh, <laughs> I don't drink coffee, but he does. He's a big coffee guy. He doesn't drink your just your your household brand. He's He's into finding, um, you know, these special coffee places around town, but then also throughout uh, the travel uh, during the baseball season. So we talked. So I learned a little bit about coffee, but then I learned uh, we talk music a lot. We have some similar tastes in music. Now, I'm not so much a fish fan. I don't mind him. He's a big fish fan, but we just like live music. Uh, so we would just kind of go back and forth about some of the shows and. It was, it was just, you know, hearing his uh, take on the team, and there were, there were times when he wasn't going to push guys physically because of, of a different injury. But he figured, you know what, the time's going to come when I have to push him, and I think we saw that in the postseason, uh, albeit the short uh, run that the guys had. But uh, I, I find him to be a really fun guy to talk to, and just uh, you learn a lot about his, not just baseball career, but a lot of, about his life, his family own this pawn shop in, in Rhode Island, so hearing, hearing about the different characters that would interact in that shop each and every day, I think, was, uh, was a whole separate kind of uh, like a reality show that uh, I think would be pretty fascinating. And we'll have more with Twins Radio announcer Corey Provis and Eminem Sports Director Mike Grimm after this.
Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F face drooping. A arm weakness. S speech difficulty. T time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face arm speech time. That's F face drooping. A arm weakness. S speech difficulty. T time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Here's more with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm and Twins Radio announcer Corey Provis. Uh, we don't have to go into deep detail because, as you mentioned, it wasn't a long postseason run, just three games, and obviously the, the long streak now. Um, how surprised were you that it went this quickly? And uh, in some case, maybe I, I watched how the Dodgers lost this week and the, the, the gut punch that was. I'm not sure. Maybe it's better to get it done and over with if you're going to lose the series. But what were your thoughts on that three-game sweep by uh, the pinstripes? Yeah, I was I was stunned. I was shocked and I was disappointed. And I just they, they get the, the Twins just got they they got beaten soundly in every possible way. Uh, you know, I outscored twenty three to seven. They played poor defense. Um, you know, for all the the, the people that want to you know poke at the bullpen and poke at the lack of pitching, which is fair, I still go back to the offense. It was going to be the offense that was going to carry this team. Um, it carried him throughout the regular season, and the bats went quiet. Max Kepler had a poor series. Mitch Garver had a poor series. Miguel Sano had a poor series. Uh, up until game three, Eddie Rosario was a non-factor. So the, the guys that they needed to step up and needed to produce, uh, it didn't happen. I thought Marvin Gonzalez had a quiet series. Uh, that they just they needed their offense. They needed their big guns to deliver. And that, to me, was, uh, was, was troubling to see. I thought the defense was, was going to be an issue. Mike, they ranked very poorly in, in defensive efficiency. Uh, you know, missing Byron Buxton, I think, certainly was a big part of that. But they just were not a sound defensive team. So they had holes. I mean, you just thought that they could out-hit their holes and out-homer all their holes. But when you're not scoring and you're not putting up big runs, you're not hitting a ton of home runs, you have to be so perfect in every other way, and they weren't. And uh, you, you can second-guess a lot of decisions that Rocco made. That, that's all fair. But to me, it boiled down to more the lack of offense than the lack of pitching. And, you know, in terms of the decisions, it's interesting because, you know, many of the decisions are 50-50. They either work or they don't, and I don't know if you're going to argue or not. But as luck would have it, it seemed that if there were 50-50, it went the wrong way. In other words, the decisions didn't work out. doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It just in this series, uh, nothing seemed to go the Twins' way. Yeah, and, and look, and Aaron Boone in 2018, he had a rough go managing his first postseason, some questionable moves uh, during that championship, uh, that uh, divisional series round against the uh, against the Red Sox. Uh, that I think you know Yankee fans were puzzled with, and I think you know Rocco and the staff. I hope they learned something from this because. You know, if they could do things over differently, I'm not convinced that they would. Uh, Narak was pretty adamant that he liked all the matchups that that he had and then the different arms he had going and in various spots. 
Uh, but come next year, I, we may see some different bodies. But it's it's clear that you know the Twins. Bless his heart, Roddy, Randy Dobnak is a great story, but he can't be starting Game Two, hmm. Mike, in in in, a, in an ALDS game at Yankee Stadium. You need you need frontline pitching. And Michael Pineda, look, Michael Pineda really let the team down. And I'm sure all the players, they all said the right things, right? They all said we support our brother, and we're, we're, we, we miss him, we're, we're there for him, he made a mistake. He made a mistake, and I'm sure a lot of guys, when the mics are off and the cameras are off, they're pretty upset. They're not just all this, I think the supportive angle is all public, but I think privately there was a lot of disappointment in that clubhouse, and I could see it because he let a lot of people down. He let his teammates down, he let his fan base down, he let uh, the organization down. And because they needed him, they needed you know having Pineda, Barrios, Odorizzi in a short series. You got a shot. You got a shot the way that Michael was throwing. And then you take him out. You're throwing Randy Dobnak into this situation. It's that's not fair. But I think it was the best option considering. But that that just it can't happen in a postseason series. You need frontline pitching, and the Twins just did not have it. All right, last one for you. You mentioned frontline pitching. Obviously, Odorizzi's a free agent. Uh, there's some other folks out there that uh, that may not be with this team next year. Obviously, their front office will have decisions to make and offers to make. And what do you foresee in terms of this off season? Give me an early forecast. What what will the targets be? I think free. I think it's got to be focused on on what I just said, Mike. I think it's got to be frontline pitching. I think that they need. I think the offense is fine. Uh, they may tweak that a little bit here and there. You know, uh, I'm curious what they may do with with the backup catcher because Jason Castro's a free agent too. Uh, do they go with Garver and Astadio as as the, as the tandem moving forward, or do they get more creative? I don't know. But I think the focus is going to be on pitching, and you know, Garrett Cole is going to be the big name out there. He's going to command about a billion dollars, so you know that's going to be that's going to be pretty expensive. But then Zach Wheeler and the Steven Strasburg opt out. Uh, does, does he become a player in the game? So I think that uh, the Twins should be in position to make a move. And, you know, it, it's, it's, people are always pointing back to the fact that the Twins have never done it. Historically, they haven't. Now, they signed Joe Maurer to that massive deal, and at the time, people loved it. Looking back on it, people hated it. So you got to be careful. You just can't always have it and say, okay, you get him, and then five years from now, you hate it because you, you, went, you, you signed this guy for all this money. Um, so do I think Garrett Cole is going to end up a, a twin? I'd be shocked. I think he's either going to go to Anaheim, where he's from, or he's going to go to the Yankees because he grew up a big Yankee fan, even though he's from Southern California. But could they be in play for, for Wheeler? Could they be in play for Strasburg if he opts out? Maybe so. You know, maybe they, this is the year that they really pounce on, on frontline pitching, and they should look at the bullpen, too, to add a power arm or two there. But I think all the attention is going to be on impactful frontline starting pitching, either free agency, or they may have to be more creative and trade from a, from a strength. They may have to move an offensive player or two to get uh, you know a frontline starter from another team via trade. I think all those options should be open. All right, very good. It was a fun season to listen. I know you had fun, and uh, we're already looking forward to the uh, uh, winter caravan, and before long you'll be down in Fort Myers calling spring training baseball. I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on all that. Yes, I'm excited, but I'm going to be at home for a little bit, just enjoy some downtime with my family. But uh, you're right. We'll we'll, uh, we'll kick back into gear here for uh, Twins Baseball here in a few months. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Corey. Bye, Grimmer. That's Twins Radio announcer Corey Provis and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.